0: I want to see the frontier Before the frontier's gone Miracles happen every day At the dusk and the dawn The visual aids of nature Pointers to the grand design And in the span of everlasting How insignificant this life of mine The billions of unknown faces Who've maintained this life on earth Dying in search of the answers To the questions of their birth so I gaze in the eye of the sunset, such a reason to believe, but it reminds me another day is gone that can never be retrieved. So give me faith to believe the truth, and the right to ask why. Give me joy in life's fulfillment, and the right to cry. Give me the strength to carry others, and the right to wilt. Give me your grace towards your holiness And the right to confess my guilt Father God, show me a bigger picture Jesus, play me a longer song Holy Spirit, put me on a road that's deeper And more eternal than the one I've been on I know where I wrote that I was driving back to First Antrim to my wee manse Well, it wasn't a manse, it was a wee flat in Central Park But Central Park has got a good postcode in New York, certainly, if not Antrim. (laughs) And I was turning off the M2. They call it the Nisilly Roundabout or something like that. And I was making my way up. And this happened in a moment. The sky was amazing. It was coming towards sunset. And I started to ask all these questions of who I am underneath all of this. Dances with Wolves is in there Two quotations Go away and think about it Joel's saying Dances with Wolves I wasn't even born No doubt There's a bit of Bob Dylan and John Martin Coming up in the last prayer bits That we use in benediction quite a bit But for me this week As I was reading Psalm 8 that Michael has just read I kind of for a moment Got myself thinking I understood what David Was thinking when he wrote this psalm Because that's what I was doing that night, coming off the M2 motorway. C.S. Lewis has said that the most valuable thing the Psalms does for me is to express the same delight in God which made David dance. Have you ever looked up at the stars or looked into the sunset? Have you ever tried to see what you are, what I am as a speck in the midst of that vastness and that wonder? And let's be honest, David wasn't aware that they were going to find that water might have sort of come alive on Mars. Ask Tom afterwards, he'll tell you what's going on up there, no doubt. But he had no idea of this vastness that we're watching on television in the most incredible ways. So Psalm 8, what's it about For those who have not been around, we're looking at the lectionary, we're going through, and so every week I kind of look, and I've actually started to look at every next week and week after and week after that, and started to strategize it a little bit. But I look at those readings and I think, what kind of might speak into who we are and where we are? And it's Psalm 8 this week. Two things that are going on in my poem and in David's poem in this Psalm. Both David and I are stargazers and soul searchers we're looking up at the majesty and the wonder of God and creation and then we're asking ourselves and looking inside ourselves and saying well what does that mean about who we are as human beings on planet earth the Old Testament theologian Kidner has said this psalm is an unsurpassed example of what a hymn should be celebrating as it does the glory and grace of God rehearsing who he is and what he has done And relating us in our world to him. All with a masterly economy of words. And in a spirit of mingled joy and awe. Commentators have looked at this and have found a little poetic formula in it. It starts starts looking at God. But actually it starts in the communal praise of God's people looking at God. Majesty. Majesty singing praise to the wonder of God. Then we find ourselves doing that in the context of creation. And then thirdly, we find humanity right in the heart of it. Who are we that this God should consider us at all? Who are we? What's our vocation? What are we doing here? And then it moves back into creation again and goes out with the communal praise of the majesty of God again. And if we see the psalm in that kind of way, then what we find is that under God's creation and the community of God's people and praise, we find who we are, our identity, our belonging in the universe, our belonging in eternity. Another Old Testament writer has said, nowhere, uh, commentator has said, nowhere is man's dignity asserted more clearly and boldly than in this passage. It's a question we all have had. How insignificant this life of mine and the billions of unknown faces. When I was jotting down those words, and I confessed openly on social media last night or yesterday, I was actually listening, and I find it hard to say this, but I'm going to try and cough it out. I was listening to a bit of Christoburg, I said it, there you are. (laughs) And when I was doing my coffee bar circuit, and trying to catch the attention of teenagers in those days. Christoburg, there was a phase before Lady and Red, I have to say, where Christoburg was quite popular. And I would have used these lines an awful lot. From the first time that life could be heard to the last sounds of men on this earth, the question is always the same. Where are we going? Where are we going? Who are we? Who are we that God should consider us? What is our place in this scheme of things? The psalmist says we're made a little lower than the angels. Now, some translators would be changing that slightly and saying, we're made slightly lower than God himself. So um, that's the first thing to say, that if we go back to the Genesis accounts, we find this theology of humanity that gives us our place. That we are precious in some way because we're the ones, I often say it, don't I? um, Where were you this summer or where are you today? No doubt some Fitzers are away. But wherever you were in Italy or wherever you were in Portugal or wherever you were in Uganda, wherever you were across the world, you might have seen something that was just astonishingly beautiful. Like that journey on the way back down from Maria, when two hours in, somebody said, there's an elephant. We all laughed because people had been saying, wheel, dolphin. You're not going to find many of those in a landlocked country. So it was a bit of a joke. But when an elephant was said two or three times, suddenly we realized that we were closer to an elephant than I am from Betty McDowell right now. It was amazing. It was incredible just to stand there and watch this part of nature that we'd never seen before. That was our highlight, maybe, of the summer of what we could see in the creation But as I keep telling you, when I look across at the Dullahons or the McGalls, or I see Caroline down there, or the Spences, or I see Jamie Hanna down there, and I look around and see the clerks up here, those things I'm seeing now are far more incredible than the elephant a few feet away. Because all the other stuff God said was good, but when he made humanity, he said it was very good. A little lower than God himself, because we're made... In the image of God, crowned with glory and honour. With a relationship with God that gave us our identity. God, creation, humanity. Creation, God. Right in the heart of Eden, we find in this Genesis account who we are, a bit like the psalmist is telling us right here. We're surrounded by God and his creation. Then if we look at what Michael read We find words that I want to come to And try and get through reasonably quickly Because the Fitzroy family focus Was longer than any sermon should be this morning When it talks about who we are A little lower than God Made in the image of God Greater than the elephant or the sunset we saw Wherever we were in our holidays It says You made them rulers over the works of your hands You put everything under their feet Our vocation Our vocation our place, our identity. Now, it's very easy to look at this word dominion, rulers, everything under our feet, and say that creation's ours to use for our pleasure. I don't think that's what it means. I don't think that's what Adam and Eve in that story in the first few chapters of Genesis are, are told to do. They're not told to exploit the land. They're not told to, to ruin it or to use it for their own good. They're told to care for it, to look after it. And so sometimes we need to, when we're in a passage, look at other passages that might help us to understand what it is for us to be rulers over the land and the creation. And if we go to Deuteronomy 17, that's the time when uh, God is telling uh, the, the, the people of Israel that when they enter the promised land, they're going to get themselves a king. They're going to get themselves a ruler, someone to have dominion over them. But what does that person who is going to be king do? Can he use them as slaves? Can he use and abuse them for his own ends? No, there's very strict codes of what the king should do. The king, moreover, must not acquire great numbers of horses for himself or make the people return to Egypt to get more of them. For the Lord has told you you're not to go back that way again. He must not take many wives or his heart will be led astray. He must not accumulate large amounts of silver and gold. When he takes the throne of his kingdom, he is to write for himself on a scroll a copy of this law taken from that of the Levitical priests. When you become Lord dominion uh, or have dominion over a ruler in the biblical way it is not for your own ends it is so that you would be looking after that which god has given you to look after psalm 72 Endow the king with your justice, O God, the royal son with your righteousness. May he judge your people in righteousness, your afflicted ones with justice. May the mountains bring prosperity to the people, the hills, the fruit of righteousness. May he defend the afflicted among the people and save the children of the needy. Who are we? Who are we? We find our identity under God's creation and in the communal worship of God. We find ourselves in the middle and the center of that whole idea. And then we're told when we find our identity there in God that we have this vocation to look after the earth. And when we're told to look after the earth, we're told to bring justice and prosperity and righteousness and to be, have, be rulers who are interested in all of those things that are part of God's creation. Dominion is for the good of God's creation and the entire human race. I say time and time again, And I like saying time and time again because when the preacher gets some of his phrases coming back to him eventually, you know you've got it. Where your deepest gladness meets the world's deepest need. Where your deepest gladness meets the world's deepest need. Surrounded by God, surrounded by creation, finding yourself in the center of this story to have dominion over the world so that whatever it is that is your deepest gladness... Cares for and tends the world's deepest needs. I always go back to Eric Little in this one. Dances with Wolves, Chariots of Fire. You can see what era my films are from. Remember that part that I keep telling you about? His sister says to him, You should be out there being a missionary. <coughs> and Little says this to her. I can see the video playing in my mind right now. I believe God made me for a purpose, but He also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. When I run, I feel his pleasure. There is what your identity is. Have you found it? Some of you maybe have and haven't thought about it. And some of you maybe haven't yet. Your identity in God, theologically in the centre of all this, that's humanity as a whole. But you, in your individual ways, all very different, I always say to people, being the minister of Fitzroy, it's slaloming the genius and madness of every one of the congregation. And let me tell you, you're geniuses. But let me assure you, yous are bunkers as well. And you slalom that genius and madness. Now, where's your genius? Your genius is that place where you know that God feels pleasure. Because in some sense, when you're doing that thing, you feel that pleasure too. What is that? Have you found that? Find it. Because that's where your belonging in the universe is. Now here's the thing. Here's the thing. This needs developed. It only came during my run last evening. But I think there's something in this. In the generation that we live in, I may be wrong here, but let's talk about it and share over a coffee in our wonderful new facility afterwards. Is it not that really what we're living for is vacation? Vacation? The number of times on a Friday, and it's particularly annoying to a minister on a Friday. Just to say that to you. It's particularly annoying to a minister on a Friday when everybody says, Oh, one hour left, I'm away home, have a great weekend. Oh, really? I have Saturday in front of commentaries and trying to work out how am I going to say this. And you're all having your vacation weekend. So I usually put up on a Sunday night. Oh, isn't Monday night or Monday morning just beautiful? As I listen to or I read those Facebook messages or or tweets, I'm thinking we're wanting vacation more than vocation. We think actually that vocation, what we do is in order that we might have a good vocation. So we need our wee ski trip or we need our holiday in the sun or we need to be on a beach because that's actually what we're living for. And let's be honest, that's the best thing. Now here's the thing, as I thought about that yesterday. I love a good novel on the sofa in Ballycastle, I don't care whether it's freezing cold in July or not, if I have the right novel. I do particularly like it if you're on a sunbed in Portimao and you're looking out there and you just glance at your watch and you realise, oh, it's ten past eleven on a Sunday. I'll just read another chapter. It's lovely, that feeling. We've had a good time having it this summer and maybe some of us still have to have it. I love it, but I'll tell you this. It doesn't give me anything like the satisfaction that I get if once in the year I know I got the sermon right. Or if once in the year I come out of a meeting and I think, oh, we did something. Or if you walk around these halls and you think it's a congregation, whoa. Or if you drive into a red dirt space in the middle of Uganda and you see this building that's like from another planet. You see those moments? Those moments are where I feel God's pleasure and they're never on a beach or a settee or a golf course or anywhere else because we are not made for vacation. We are made for vocation and we will only find our true identity in vocation. Vacation is to give us the Sabbath rest so that we can do vocation. I think I'm onto something there, because I think the lie of this generation is that vocation is to give us vacation. And I had to ask myself yesterday, on the way back up Maryville after three and a half miles, when it was tough, what one am I living for, and have I been deluded by the lie of the age, or am I prepared to offer myself for this community? For that community and for the wider world. Where is the place that you feel God's pleasure? Under his creation, as the community of God sings about his creation and his wonder and his majesty and who he is, we find who we are. Where our deepest gladness is offered to change the world around us. We will find life and life in all its fullness.